0: Hello! 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 Welcome to Three Stooges Throwback, the comprehensive, encyclopedic compendium of all things Three Stooges. From woman-haters to sappy bullfighters, from curly to Shemp, and even to Joe. I am your host, Gabriel Russo, and I'm looking at all 190 shorts produced for Columbia Pictures by the Three Stooges comedy team. Hello, hello, and welcome back once again to the Three Stooges Throwback Podcast. Broadcasting from Stooge Studio, located at the back of the house, I am still your host, Gabriel Russo, and we are still going over the 190 shorts produced for Columbia Pictures by the comedy team, The Three Stooges. This is episode 28, covering the short Termites of 1938. This is a good one. First things first, though, I use Wikipedia, IMDB, the Internet Movie Database, and ThreeStooges.net, mostly, uh, to find the tidbits for my episodes, and I usually watch them on DailyMotion.com, sometimes on YouTube. I've read most every book on the boys, and I use my own brain to formulate opinions on the shorts, as well as regurgitating the opinions of others. With that said, let's get on with the show. Termites of 1938 was the first short released by the team in 1938. It comes in with a runtime of eh, roughly 16 minutes and 45 seconds. Termites was filmed over four days from October 19th, 1937 through October 23rd, 1937. Uh, The previous short, The Sitter Downers, was filmed in June and released in November. They don't work from June on the 27th short, The Sitter Downers, until they start working again on this one in October, on the October 19th. That's five months off. I wonder why. It was then released January 7th, 1938, produced by... Listed as associate producers, Charlie Chase and Hugh McCollum. Chase started in vaudeville. Uh, he went to Keystone Studios to work for Max Sennett. He was an actor and then a production supervisor for Hal Roach Studios. This is in the silent era. Uh, then he transitioned into talkies. He worked with Laurel and Hardy, our, our gang, and uh, did his own stuff. He had one of the most successful early talkies with Thelma Todd. And then in 1937, he moved to Columbia, directed several stooge films. He was a big drinker, and Hal Roach once said that he never saw Charlie drunk at work, and he never saw him sober outside of it. (laughs) Hugh McCollum, the other associate producer, he was secretary to Harry Cohn, Harry Kahn. Harry Kahn, I think. And worked his way up the ladder. When Columbia added a second short unit, he got the call to run it. Jules White preferred to direct his productions, whereas McCollum focused on uh, business aspects and directed only a few. So Termites here is directed by Del Lord, who we've gone over several times. Story and Screenplay by Elwood Ullman and Al Giebler, who also conspired to write Playing the Ponies, which is the 26th short by the boys. Ullman wrote humorous stories for magazines until breaking into writing shorts, and he wrote the funny lines included in Three Stooges' Bubblegum Cards in the 50s. Giebler was a former sight gag writer for Max Senate, and wrote in the biz from 1913 1947, Nice long career there. This one has quite the supporting cast of folks. Dorothy Granger as Mabel. She won a beauty contest at 13 in Houston and went to Hollywood with her family. She is known as the queen of the short subject films because she did so many for every studio. She worked with every comedy team or single of the day. She did 100 Features. She quit Hollywood in 1963, calling it an Ulcer Factory. She was one of SAG's first members. Bess Flowers, as Muriel Van Twitchit. Bess was known as the Queen of the Hollywood Extras. So we've got two queens of uh, things here, nicknames. The Queen of the Short Subject Films and the Queen of the Hollywood Extras. Anyway, Bess Flowers appeared in over 350 features and shorts over her 41-year career. She appeared in five Best Picture winners, uncredited in non-talking roles, and a record 23 Best Picture nominated uh, movies. Wow. In 1945, she helped found the Screen Actors Guild, which in 1992... Oh, I'm sorry. In 1945, she helped found the Screen Extras Guild, which in 1992 merged with SAG, the Screen Actors Guild. Richard Fiske as Arthur Van Twitchit. He was in 80 films, and he was killed in World War II. His last role was as Ginger Rogers' fiancé in the Billy Wilder comedy The Major and the Minor. Etta McDaniel here as Mandy the Maid. She appeared in over 60 films from 1933 to 46. She is the sister of Sam McDaniel and Hattie McDaniel. Hattie McDaniel won an Oscar for her role in Gone with the Wind as the mate. Etta and Hattie, in 1914, started their own all-female minstrel show called the McDaniel Sisters Company. Her film debut was in 1933's King Kong. It's a sad fact about her sister, Hattie McDaniel. Her last wish... Was to be buried in Hollywood Cemetery, but she was turned down due to it being all white. Imagine a cemetery being all white. That's just insane. John Ince as Clayhammer, the butler. His brothers Tom and Ralph were also in pictures. Thomas was the most well known, having built the first complete movie studio, Inceville. Today, Tom is famous for being murdered on William Randolph Hearst's yacht. John was a director and an actor. Bud Jameson here as Lord Wafflebottom, who I know we have covered previously, but he was in a ton of stewed shorts, 56 to be exact, 450 films altogether. He was a Christian scientist who refused treatment for his diabetes. In 1944, he got an infection. And with no treatment, it eventually triggered a heart attack. Although there are conflicting reports as to how he died, his family has said that it was phlebitis in his leg and that his show-must-go-on attitude uh, was what contributed to it. He had a great voice, and it was Bud who delivered the first eye poke in Stooge films. He pokes all three of them in Woman Haters, the first of their shorts. We've got Simona Boniface here. I know we've covered her as well, but she is basically what Margaret Dumont was to the Marx Brothers. She's a high society foil to be abused by the boys. (laughs) The short opens with socialite-looking Dorothy Granger sitting in a chair, and Arthur goes past her on his way to a fishing trip. We know this because Mabel says... Hope you catch something. And he turns around and says, yeah, I hope you do too. And I don't mean fish. Ha! So he evidently doesn't like his wife's friend. Um, the look on her face is kind of funny as she, she takes in what he just said to her. Uh, enter Best Flowers here as Muriel Van Twitchit, who says he can't. she can't go to Mabel's fancy party because her husband is on another one of his famous fishing trips. I don't know what's famous about them. Mabel says, why don't you get an escort? What? So, call the service, and they'll send over a nice college boy. Perfect gentleman from Harvard and Yale. So married women went places with escorts in the 30s. Who knew that? That's crazy. So, huh. Anyway, Lord Wafflebottom is going to be at the party, so she simply must come. <laughs> uh, by the way, um, you know, Dorothy Granger here. Uh, hubba hubba. She's aces, see? (laughs) Uh, Muriel tells the maid, Etta McDaniel, to get the Acme Escort Service on the phone. And here we go. The maid hears Muriel say she hopes they are discriminating. This is rough here. Uh, Mandy, the maid, looks up the number in the phone book, but since she evidently can't read she stops at acme exterminators because she heard discrim i don't know she confuses discriminating and I- so she stops at acme exterminators uh she does a real like step and fetch it kind of a voice and you know this must be it kind of thing you know but that was the times uh so we cut to the acme exterminating company if you got them we'll get them I laughed out loud at the sight of the boys on the ground with a little cannon pointing at a mouse hole. uh, Ropes are strung out, coming to the cannon, firing mechanism. <laughs> it's like something out of a Warner Brothers cartoon, which is, you know, they were all made at the same time, roughly. So, uh, you know, so when the <laughs> he says when the mouse comes out, he's bound to touch one of the strings and then the cannon goes off. And so a mouse runs across the floor out of a different hole. And uh, Curly thinks, oh, yeah, the noise of the cannon wakes up the cat. And then the cat goes and gets the mouse. And uh, Larry says, Larry thinks the old ways are good enough for him. And Mo says, ah, he ain't progressive. (laughs) Uh, The next step of the plan is if the mouse avoids the cannon, the second string is a noose, so he'll hang himself. So they've got it all figured out. Meanwhile, Larry is working on the old way, quote-unquote, which is a piece of cheese on a string. Uh, Larry gets a bite and he fights it and pulls him headfirst into the wall. (laughs) And uh, Mo says, see, that's the old-fashioned way. That's why I've stayed up all night thinking of this plan. So Curly has been reading up on Catching Mice, and he pulls out the Pied Piper of Hamelin. That's his his, uh, reference material. He said, if this pie-eyed piper can do it, I figure I can sober. If this pie-eyed piper. <laughs> he blows and a mouse comes out immediately. Uh, but the strings are too loose to grab him. And uh, they they get down to tighten them, And the mouse comes running up the string, fires the cannon. <laughs> so Mo can't hear now because of the cannon blast. And the phone rings. She says, we need some of your best men. And he says, we're, like, we're all pest men. He, you know, something about a dinner dance, and Mo hears ants, ants. She says, "What are your fees?" And he says, "Fleas." So she says, "Come to one come to thirteen twenty Laurel Canyon Drive, semi formal." So I looked up that address, and it looks like it's a store now. It's been, uh, it's been torn down or whatever it was. The street names have probably changed, or the you know the directions and whatnot, the laying of the streets. That it would make no difference. Anyway, it's a UPS store and some sort of waxing place or something. So the boys pull up in their jalopy. (laughs) They hit the car in front that has just dropped off Muriel Van Twitchit. And she looks around worried. Rightfully so. (laughs) They have one of those, I horns. It's great. Uh, The car has a bunch of crazy mottos written on it. So the butler tells him to get this disgraceful car out of here. And Moe is funny when he talks to him. He's uh, he's so disdainful of people. Keep your shirt on, big boy. We were sent for. <laughs> Muriel vouches for him because she's standing right there. And uh, <laughs> Mo ashes his cigar on Clayhammer's shoulder. So Clayhammer can't open the door. So Curly comes over and he just lifts straight up and out. It doesn't... There's no hinge. <laughs> he hands it to the butler... He says, hold this sledgehammer. It's a funny little bit. So we're inside the swanky party now as the boys are introduced. Howard, fine, and Howard. At your service, day and night, we do the job, we do it right. Hack me. <laughs> so the guests all think that that's their like, college yell, college cheer. And Bud Jameson as Lord Wafflebottom, he's impressed with them. And he wants to do as the Americans do. So he says, that is ripping. Oh my, that is ripping! The boys look at their butts. Uh, it's a, such little, like a quick little aside when he says that's ripping, and the boys look back at their pants. <laughs> Dinner is served now, and the boys sit down first. They rush in there, of course. The butler takes Curly's hat, and uh, Hurley, Curly gets irritated and reaches back to grab the stub of his cigar out of his hat. <laughs> uh, Mo tells him to put that heater out. The heater, great old slang. Lots of uh lots of silver on the table, and Larry knows just what to do and starts to steal it, put fill his pockets with all the silverware. Mo stops him. Uh they they look at all the stuff and they wonder why there are so many implements when all they need is a knife, you know. Mo starts Mo says, start at one end and work your way through. Ready? Go. <laughs> so they're eating soup with the tiny little spoon. And uh, everyone sits down kind of looking at them like, what in the world? And Curly rips his napkin in half for Mo. And uh, Lord Wafflebottom is talking to Mabel. It's his first trip to the States and he wants to follow our table etiquette. So he decides to do what the boys do since they are the college chaps. And Mo and Curly tuck their napkins into, the shirt, into their shirts, you know, and so does Lord Wafflebottom. The look on Mabel's face is priceless. She's like worried, like what is going on? Look, when the boys use the teaspoons for the soup, as does Lord Wafflebottom. <laughs> Again, she's got this withered look on her face, on Granger, Dorothy Granger's face. Like, oh no, she can't. She's so embarrassed. Then they all pick up tiny spoons because they, you know, they don't want to call anyone out. I guess, and so. The looks at the ladies' exchange are so funny. So Okay, okay this is how we're eating the soup, I guess. <laughs> but the boys are fancy because they straighten out their pinkies, and so everyone else does the same. The rich the rich folks here copying the Stooges at dinner is really funny. Curly picks up some nuts or something out of a little dish on the table and starts tossing them up in the air to catch them in his mouth. And Mo looks over angry, so, you know, at first, his first instinct is anger. So Mo looks over angrily, but it changes so fast, and he's like, "Ooh, I want to try that!" <laughs> and he starts tall. To- he grabs a handful and starts tossing them too. The 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 quick change of expression is hilarious. So Waffle Bottom is like, "Oh, he's in- intrigued now," and so he wants to try his hand at it. And then soon the whole table is throwing nuts up in the air, and the men are all game, but the ladies look a little put out and embarrassed, but they're still trying to catch them. The, uh, they pull the camera back, and we get a view of the whole table, which is great, with all the people in their fancy tuxedos and, and ball gowns or whatever, tossing nuts in the air trying to catch them. So Mo takes his knife, his uh, butter knife, and, and just gets some mashed potatoes on it, and then flips it over and dunks it in the peas, so he's got like 20 peas stuck to it, and then just eats it. And Mabel does a quick double take at this, like, whoa, wait, What? But Waffle Bottom tries it. And so she's amazed. She can't stop staring at him. Like, "But this is, I can't, what? I think she is great. The the people's expressions in this one. So no one looks, at, no one wants to look out of place. So they all start scooping up mashed potatoes and peas on their knives. So Mo does the old, like, sharpen the knife on the fork. Like, ching, 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 ching. But then he gets the corn holders and he uses them the like the, you know, the stabby corn holder things, uh, corn on the cob holder things, and uses them to stab his little, it's either a game hen or a quail. It's probably quail. So Curly is wondering what to do, and Mo looks over and winks at him triumphantly, like, look what I do. And so now everyone's eating their squab like this with their corn holders, and Mabel and Muriel are looking around the table just horrified. So... <laughs> Muriel takes a little bite out of hers, but Mabel, she can't bring herself to do it. She just kind of sneakily just puts hers down. So then we cut to a quartet playing music as the guests come walking into the parlor. Curly takes the flute from the guy and he says, You'll never catch mice with that tune. you got to swing it. And Moe star- stares at him, or Moe like, starts for him, and Mabel asks them to play a tune for the guests. They're like, they look at each other like, What do we do, you know? Larry suggests the record, he sees a record player. He says, the phonograph, let's do that. And Mo says, sometimes I think you got part of a brain. And Larry's like, oh, thank you. It's like so sincere. It's really, it's funny. So Mo says, you blow the gas pipe, you take the little fiddle, and I'll take the oversized one. You guys scram, he says to the the players, to the band. Hey, piano player, you stay and take the tempo from my body. Man the instruments, boys. <laughs> Take the tempo from my body. There's a funny little aside when Mo says, don't shove to one of the musicians who's trying to walk by. It's just... Uh... So Mo says, we will now play Romanonee Cipanamine by Renacrance. <laughs> Renacross. <laughs> Everyone looks around confused. Romanonee Cipanamine by Renacross. Uh, but everyone, you know, they clap politely, but they're like, what, is, what? They they don't understand. So the record starts playing, and it's a damn, it, excuse me, and it's a John Philip Sousa march, but the boys carry on like they're playing it. You know, they've got a flute, <laughs> a big bass, uh, and, uh, and a violin, and a piano, and they're playing <laughs> drum marches. So... Horns and cymbals are blaring. Everyone's looking around like, what the heck? And Curly and Larry even stop playing for a second as they run into each other. That's uh, so Like I said, horns and cymbals are blaring and crashing. and The boys, like I said, are playing a violin, a bass, a flute, and a piano. And Moe has a crazy lunatic smile as he thumps on the bass. Of course, the record skips. <laughs> Curly eventually pull, he pulls the flute into pieces pulls it apart. Mo picks up a saw, thinking it's a bow, because there's, you know, obviously there's a saw sitting right there in their mansion sitting room. (laughs) So he manages to saw the base, the stand-up base in half, and there's a bunch of mice living in the base, and they come out, and they're running, and the ladies are scared. The boys leap into action, because they obviously, remember, they think they're there as uh, exterminators. So they literally dive on the floor after the mice And Curly's spinning around, doing a great uh, Curly shuffle. Very energetic. Mo yells at him to get up. There's no more party. we got to get to work. Curly and Larry go after the mice, and Mo is on the moths. (laughs) Curly has a stethoscope, and Larry has a giant drill. So he tells Larry to drill a hole in a wall, and there's a party guest. He looks in the hole, gets a face full of uh, spray, you know, bug spray. Curly's funny, standing on the other side of the hole with his hands sitting like a slot machine, like waiting for the winnings, you know, underneath the hole. So Moe has, uh, meanwhile, we cut to Moe. He's got a rug hung on a line in the middle of the room, and he's just going to beat it. And Mabel comes in, and she sees it, and she's like, what the heck is this? So she yells for Clayhammer, the butler. She turns her back on the rug, and Moe slaps it and hits her in the butt with the with, <laughs> with the broom. It's very scandalous. So they go around looking on the other side. Or she goes, yeah, they go around looking on the other side and nobody's there. Because Moe has gone around as well. So Moe hits her again. Ha! Ah! Moe hits Clayhammer. And Mabel sees what's going on now. She rolls up her non-existent sleeves like she doesn't have, you know, but she rolls them up. like And crosses her arms. Clayhammer hits her. Ha! Ah! And she grabs Moe and, uh, and screams... And Mo gets all like, aw, aw, shucks, you know. So then we cut back to Curly. He's listening. Larry puts another hole. Waffle says, uh, Waffle Bottom says, blimey, a blooming hole. He looks in it and he gets sprayed in the face. He says, have you a shower bath over here? Muriel goes to report the escorts. So she goes to this little phone room under the stairs to call. It's like, you know, a little room, a little like Harry Potter cupboard under the stairs where she keeps her telephone. And Larry and Curly come around, still looking for pests. Larry drills a hole that pokes her right in the butt, and she stands up, and uh, her head comes through the staircase. So they go around to the other side of the staircase. Meanwhile, Arthur and his fishing buddy arrive home. He sees her head sticking out out of the staircase, and he says, Oh, honey, I'll never go fishing again. Mo comes out and says, have you seen a female moth go by? The guy says, yeah, a white one? He says, yeah. He says, haven't seen it. And then Arthur chases them out. But he trips over their bag of gopher bombs. Gopher bombs. <laughs> the boys uh, run to get in their car and start to drive away. And he throws one of the gopher bombs and it blows up the car. The boys stagger around in the road. And the end. So this is a great short. When the boys first show up at their shop, the Stooges' music plays again, which is something I hadn't seen before. You know, the listen to the Mockingbird. They don't usually play it during the short. It's always at the beginning. But Charlie Chase, he liked incidental music in his production. So music is again used during the dinner scene also. There's a fairly long bit of no talking at the table too, which, I mean, you know, it struck me as long anyway. So this one, this short was remade in 1946 as Society Mugs, starring Shemp Howard and Tom Kennedy. Also had Christine McIntyre and Vernon Dent. That's a solo Shemp short. I'll get around to the solo stuff eventually, I think. Uh, Not in order, but uh, after I do, after I finish the Stooges shorts, I'll go back and watch Shemp's solo stuff. The title of this short is a play on the popular movie at the time called Gold Diggers of nineteen thirty-seven. So this is Termites of nineteen thirty-eight. Best Flowers gets a rare speaking part in this one. Remember, she was the queen of the Hollywood extras, so most of the time she didn't get a speaking part. But she gets a pretty substantial role here. When Curly is spinning, you can uh, when he's doing the Curly Shuffle after they dive for the mice, you can see Larry. If you look, you can see Larry start to turn away because he's laughing because Curly just cracked him up. That's pretty funny. This one gets an 8.5, 8.95 rather, on net. I'm going to go up with that on that and say that this one gets a 9.5. This is a great short. I think this one is a standout. It has it all. It's got classy dames, a fancy party. We've got the Stooges eating. Um, we've got music where they're, you know, they're playing music and then working where they're, you know, they're, so it's got it all. So this one's a great one. So I guess that's it. I think that's going to do it for this episode. Tune in next time when we will look at the next short called Wee oui, Wee oui, Monsieur. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all the nice messages about the podcast. You can go to anchor.fm if you want to make a podcast of your own. It's a great free site takes a lot of guesswork out of podcasting. Please, if you wouldn't mind, rate and review the show if you like it on whatever I mean if you could on Apple, but whatever platform you listen to it on, that would be great. Um apparently it really helps shutting down the Hollywood profiles of yesteryear on the Potomatic website which had been up for several years and had you know a lot of followers but it got expensive so i shut that down when i found anchor.fm and getting i don't know if that's a word <laughs> reclaiming all those followers from pre, from, you know, previously when i changed the feed and blah 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 um, you know, so, but thanks for, like I said, thanks for listening to people that do find it, but apparently it helps to spread the word if you are, uh, if you rate and review the show, if you don't like it, please just leave it alone. You don't have to rate it badly. You know, you can send me an email and tell me how bad I do, but I'd rather you didn't. Um, uh, but anyway, I have been your host and chief knucklehead, Gabe Russo, broadcasting from Stud Studios at the back of the house.